Yeah, amen, right? Amen. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Do you know we've come together this morning to celebrate the reality of the resurrection, the reality of the empty tomb, and the reality that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And I am thrilled that you're here because today we are wrapping up our series called Unstuck. And today we're talking about how to get unstuck from our emptiness. In fact, we have an outline for our message. It's a light green sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And right off the top, I want to ask you to think with me for just a moment. I want you to think of all of history. And I want you to think of the most important dates and events and inventions that changed the course of history. In fact, if you were asked to list the first thing that comes to mind when you think of events in history that changed the world, like there on your outline, would you just take like 10 seconds to write the first thing that comes to mind? Like, for example, like a date that changed history, like in 1492, what happened? Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? Well, it changed history, right? It changed the world. But if you're going to write down what are the events, the dates, the inventions that change history, what comes to mind? You know, I really wish I could see your list. I wish we could compose them, but I'd like to share some things that were on my list. Events and inventions and dates that change history. Like, did anybody, did this make your list? The signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776. It changed our history, and because of that, we're sitting here today. Changed the world. What about this one? How about, did anybody get this one? The invention of baseball. Can I get an amen? In 1839, Abner Doubleday, and I just want to say, go Giants and go A's, right? What about this one? Thomas Edison, he had a bright idea. And in 1879, what did he do? The light bulb. And it changed the world. It changed the world. Or what about this one? Do you know the date? December 7th, 1941. Pearl Harbor. A date which will live in infamy. Attack on Pearl Harbor changed the world. What about the I Have a Dream speech by Dr. Martin Luther King in 1963? It changed the course of the whole civil rights movement. And we are a different world today because of that speech. Or what about the first man to walk on the moon? Neil Armstrong on July 21st, 1969. And of course, you all know what happened in Seattle, Washington in 1971, right? (laughs) Starbucks. (laughs) Changed my world. (laughs) Can I get an amen from Starbucks coffee drinkers? And the next one, man, we just say the date and we all know, 9-11, 2001. Many of you can remember to the moment where you were when you found out how the planes crashed into the Twin Towers and it changed our world. I don't know what you, what made your list, but friends, can I tell you all these events that had huge impacts and changed the history of the world as we know it. But friends, can I tell you, there's no other event in all of human history that changed the world and changed lives than the very first Easter Sunday morning over 2,000 years ago. Can I tell you, it's the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that's the central event that marks our calendars 
that marks our history, B.C. and A.D., On this very special weekend, do you realize we are joining with over 2 billion people who will call time out and they'll stop and they'll remember and they'll celebrate and worship the one who came and declared that he was the son of God. And he backed it up by doing what no other person in all of human history has ever done before. I mean, he resurrected from the dead. And he's alive today. He's alive in this place. And he's alive in my heart. And I want to declare to you on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to declare loud and clear on your outline, would you write this down, that Easter, Easter is the answer. Easter is the answer to my emptiness. Easter is the answer to my emptiness. And some of you, as you sit here today, the truth is, You feel stuck. You feel empty. And just like in that video, we don't take it lightly. Man, if you've lost a loved one, if you've lost a job, if you had a spouse abandon you and you're raising kids as a single parent, we don't take your troubles and your pains lightly. I tell you, in this place, we don't have any magic fairy dust that will make all your problems magically go away. But I want to tell you, I know a guy. I know a guy, his name is Jesus Christ, and there on your outline, he not only tells us why he came, but he tells us why he came for you. In John 10, 10 on your outline, would you check out this verse where Jesus said these words? Jesus said, the thief, the thief is Satan, the evil one. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, let me stop here. Do you know Satan hates God? And Satan hates everything that God loves. And because God loves you so much, Satan hates you. The Bible says he wants to kill your soul. He wants to steal your heart, destroy your life. That's Satan's deal. But then Jesus goes on to say this, but I have come that they may have what? Life and have it to the full. Jesus came to fill your life and set you free. You know, today as we wrap up our Unstuck series, we've been doing this whole series because we all know people that stuck happens, right? People get stuck all the time. We get stuck in broken relationships. We get stuck in dead-end jobs. We get stuck in, in debt and depression. We get stuck in addictions and fear. I was thinking about this, and I had a flashback to when I was in the seventh grade. When I was in the seventh grade, I got stuck. My best friend, Scott Andrews, for his birthday, he got a pair of real police handcuffs. And we thought it was the coolest thing. We were messing around with these handcuffs. I said, hey, Scott, let me try it on. We're right in front of his house. And I put one on one wrist. But what I didn't notice is behind me, a couple of my buddies, man, I was standing right next to a telephone pole. I put one on. My buddies grabbed me. They threw my other arm around the telephone pole and they slapped on the other handcuff. So here I am, I'm handcuffed around a telephone pole. And I'm going, oh, ha, ha, funny, guys. Okay, let me out. And they started laughing at me, and I'm going, hey, this is not funny. Get get me out of this. And then they all walked into Scott's house, and they're looking at me through the kitchen window, and they're laughing, and then they're eating bowls of ice cream, and I'm sitting there going, man, I'm getting mad. I'm feeling angry and frustrated and anxious and wondering, how long are they going to leave me here? 
And friends, I tell you that because that's, that's how it feels to be stuck. You feel anxious and upset and angry and, and panicked and you wonder, how long is my life going to be like this? And I remember sitting there saying, man, there's nothing I can do to get free. I don't have the key to get myself free. Well, you know, all throughout this series, as we talk about getting unstuck, we've been pointing back to the one key guy. The one guy who's the ultimate expert on helping people get unstuck and setting them free. And his name is Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to tell you three real life stories of three very real people who got stuck in emptiness. And then they had an encounter with Jesus and he set them free. First one is there on your outline. It's a guy named Zach or Zacchaeus, if you will. We find the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And what we find is that Zacchaeus, he tried to fill his life, would you write this down, with money and power and possessions. Now Zacchaeus, you need to understand, he was like the chief tax collector. He traded in a loyalty to his people for a loyalty to the almighty dollar. He started collecting taxes from his people and he would skim some off the top to make himself rich and powerful. And friends, can I tell you, he did it. I mean, Zacchaeus, his pockets were full, but his soul was empty. His pockets were full, but his soul was empty. And then one day, this is so cool, Jesus arrives on the scene. He calls Zacchaeus by name and he shared a dinner with him that changed his destiny. And something happened in that encounter to change Zacchaeus to such an extent that he said these words on your outline. In Luke 19, 8 through 10, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Would you underline the phrase for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost? See, Zacchaeus, he was lost. Friends, look at me for a second. Zacchaeus bought into the lie that money and power and possession is what you need to fill your life and make you happy. But for Zacchaeus, it left him empty. And yet after this impersonal encounter with Jesus, he traded in his pursuit of greed to a pursuit of God. And it brought him joy and it set him free. Now, why am I telling you the story about Zacchaeus? Because the truth is, for many of you sitting here today, you're just like Zach. Man, you've bought into the lie that, man, to really be happy, I got to get more. I got to get some more money and some more stuff, some more things. And once I can get some more stuff, then I'll really be full. I'll really be happy. And you are handcuffed in the grips of greed. And can I very gently point you back to the words of Jesus Christ, where he said in Luke 12, 15 on your outline, look at what Jesus said. He said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Real life is not measured by how much you own. Friends, underline that phrase, real life. is not measured by how much you own. Friends, if you make money, 
and possessions and power, the pursuit of your life, is not going to fill you up. It's going to frustrate you and leave you empty. And you don't have to take my word for it. Why don't we ask the richest man in the world? Back in his day, Howard Hughes was the richest man alive. And he was once asked, Howard Hughes, how much money does it take to make a man happy? Here's what he said. Just a little bit more. Same thing that the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 5.10 on the screen behind me where it says these words. Those who love money never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Money, power, and possessions. It left Zacchaeus empty. But Jesus, man, he filled his life with joy and set him free. But it wasn't just Zach. Let's talk about our second person on our island. Let's talk about the woman at the well. The woman at the well. We don't even know her name. But one thing we know about her is she tried to fill her life with relationships. With relationships. We read about her story in John chapter 4. And what we learn about this lady is she was married five times. And now she, she was living with a man. And all through her life, she was in this desperate search to try to find the one guy who would, who would love her and take care of her and fill her heart. She was looking for Mr. Right. And I want to tell you, friends, she's not the only one. So many people, when they're lonely and hurting and empty, they think, man, if I can just find Mr. Right, if I could just find Mrs. Right, if I can just find the right person, they'll end my aloneness and fix my brokenness and fill my emptiness. And I was talking to one guy, I said, hey, you know, Matt, Pastor Paul, I, I, I want to tell you, I did find Mrs. Right. And I married her. But I didn't find out till after the wedding that her first name was Always. Always, okay. Back to the woman at the well. Um, all the guys are laughing on the inside because they don't want to. Friends, the woman at the well, listen to this. She's looking for love in all the wrong places, longing for intimacy, but then she meets Jesus. And Jesus offers her, offers her a drink of water for her thirsty soul. But the type of water, I want you to read about it on your outline in John chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Here's what Jesus said to the woman at the well. He said, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. I wanted us to think about the woman at the well because there are so many people just like her. They're thirsty to find the right girl, the right guy, the right person to fill their emptiness. And don't get me wrong. Guys, God made us in such a way we need each other. We need people in our lives to love us and care about us and to share life with. We need our church family. But so many make the mistake of thinking, man, I got to find that right person who will fix my brokenness, who will fill my aloneness and make me whole. Friends are longing for an intimacy and a love that only God can bring, that only God can fill. And I want you to see this clearly because I want you to know some of you are sitting here today, you're married, you have a family, you have everything you're supposed to have, and you're wondering, what's wrong with me? 
Well, check out this clip of this woman who had it all. And then she felt empty. And then we'll talk about why. Take a look. You know what I wanted to be when I was a boy? A basketball player. (laughs) Don't laugh. There's a proud tradition of white, short basketball players. (laughs) My sticks. This. This is a house that your daddy's making. Isn't it so beautiful? Is that a window? Yeah, it is. If you move it over here, then you can see the pool. Huh. Okay, go play. See ya. Okay. Okay, see you, babe. Interesting. You know what I wanted when I was a kid? What? This. I wanted to be a mom, marry a wonderful man, and I did beautiful babies and raise them and I did I am I don't get it John this was my dream I I am literally living it and I'm not happy why do I feel like this I don't know and you're probably sitting there thinking man what's wrong with that lady Great husband, beautiful daughter, yet empty on the inside. Can I tell you, can I point you to what the Bible says in Psalm 42, 2 on your outline? This is what's happening inside of her where it says this. Her soul is crying out. She says, my soul thirsts for God. Underline that phrase on your outline. Because it's the, whether you realize it or not, it's the cry of your heart as well. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Friends, you see, if you look to other people to try to fill the loneliness that only God can fill, it won't work. It will leave you empty and thirsty and longing. And some of you, the truth is, your marriage is in trouble today. Your relationships are in trouble today because you're putting pressure on some other people to meet needs that only God can meet. There's a deep longing in your soul that only God can fill. In fact, you know, for the last 60 years, Billy Graham has been preaching the same message. And in honor of Billy Graham on this Easter Sunday, I want to share with you one of his most famous quotes on the back of your outline. Look at what Billy Graham said in these words. We were made for God and our hearts find no peace until they rest in him. Man, he's telling us right there that we have some deep needs for intimacy and connection that only God can fill. And friends, you won't find the peace and security and fullness that we long for in another relationship until you are intimately connected with God. With God. Well, that's what this woman at the well, that's what she found when she met Jesus. He filled her heart to such an extent it not only changed her destiny, but she ended up leading her whole village to real faith in Jesus. That's the woman at the well. Well, there's one other person I want to introduce you to this morning, and his name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if I, if I can tell you about, about Nicodemus, he was a lot like this Easter egg right here. He was, this is Nicodemus, 
all bright and shiny on the outside, but on the inside, man, he was empty. He was empty. Because here's the deal. Nicodemus tried to fill his life with religion and morality. Did you write that down? Religion and morality. We find his story in John chapter 3, and we learn that Nicodemus, he was a top religious leader. He was a Pharisee. And just by his position, it meant he had it all. I mean, he had power and position and, and money, and he, he was a respected top religious leader, education, an upright moral religious man. And in his community, in his culture, Nicodemus was considered a shining success. People wanted to be like that guy. But can I tell you, when I think of Nicodemus, I can't help but thinking of the famous quote by Francis Chan on the screen behind me. Francis Chan said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but at succeeding at the things in life that don't really matter. Because for this shiny, successful Nicodemus, man, he still had an emptiness of the soul. And so here's what happened to Nicodemus. Man, he, he comes to Jesus by night because he's looking for answers. He's used to everyone coming to him for answers. He doesn't have them anymore. So he goes to Jesus and he says this, Jesus, you have something I don't have. I could see you have God because you would do all these miracles. You have all this power. Surely God is with you. And here's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. The same thing that he wants to say to you today. And it's found in John 3, 3 on your outline when Jesus said these words. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Would you underline the phrase, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Friends, this is where you get the phrase born again Christian. It comes from this passage right here. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you had a physical birth that gave you physical life, but you need to have a spiritual birth so that you can come alive spiritually. Because here's the deal with Nicodemus is so key. Nicodemus, he knew all about God. He was a religious leader. He knew the laws and the Ten Commandments and the Torah and the rules and the regulations. Friends, he knew the Bible better than any of us. He knew all about God in his head. But he didn't know God alive in his heart. There's a huge difference, friends. In fact, on your outline, you've heard it before. It's true for Nicodemus, and it's true for you. Write this down. No God, no peace. If you don't have God alive in you, no peace. No God, no peace. But when you know God alive in your heart, when you know God, you know peace. You know life. You know fullness. You know joy. So key, friends. So important. Here's the deal. Jesus was telling Nicodemus that real peace comes through a faith-filled relationship with him. And friends, it's the heart of what I'm trying to get at. It's the heart of Easter. What we learn from Zacchaeus, from the woman at the well, from Nicodemus, it's the same. It's true for all of us. We're just like them. We try to fill our emptiness with all sorts of things but they don't fill the deep longings of our soul and they leave us restless 
and lonely and empty on the inside. Because what you long for is a gift that the world can never give you. In fact, fact, famous French mathematician Blaise Pascal, centuries ago, he said it well when he said these words. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator. Do you get it? That vacuum, that God-shaped hole in your heart? Let me see if I can explain it this way. How many of you remember the philosophy of it? Remember studying that in college, the philosophy of it? See, I explain. You all know it. See, it starts when you're a little kid. When you're a little kid, you start wondering what would really be it in life. I remember when I was a little kid, I thought, man, if I could just get a yellow banana skateboard, that would be it. How many of you remember that when urethane wheels first came out and the yellow banana skateboard? Remember that? I thought, man, when I was like a little kid, man, I'm going to save my allowance. I'm going to do extra chores. If I could just get my skateboard, that would be it. And man, I worked hard. I got my skateboard. I think I rode that thing at least a thousand miles. But it just took me three weeks to figure out, man, it's nice, but it's not it. Then what do you do? Well, you grow up a little bit, and then I go into junior high, and I think, man, if I could just make the drama team, and if I could act in front of my applauding friends, that would be it. And I made the drama team, and I was in a play, and it was exciting, but it just didn't last. I discovered, man, that's not it. And then I go into high school, and hormones kick in, and then I start thinking, man, if I could just get me a date with Lisa, she would be it. And guys, believe it or not, it took a lot of work, but I finally got a date with Lisa. She wasn't it. I mean, she was nice. Don't get me wrong. I won't say anything bad about Lisa. She just wasn't it. And then where do you go from there? I think, oh, get my first car. No, that's not it. Graduate college with honors. No, that's not it. Get my first job. Make some money. Get a paycheck. That's not it. And then I think, oh, I'll get married. Sorry, babe. Sorry, honey. It's not it. See, I'm telling you, my life, let me tell you, you're doing the same thing. And some of you sitting here today are thinking, well, you know, dream vacation, travel, get a big promotion. You'll discover, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. But then just like Nicodemus and Zacchaeus and the woman at the well, then you meet the resurrected Savior and you discover what it really is. That's what Easter is all about, friends. In fact, can I tell you this on your outline? Can I tell you, there is an emptiness to Easter. And the emptiness of Easter, write this down, it's the empty tomb. It's the empty tomb. And I love this quote on on the screen behind me. It says this, the world offers promises full of emptiness. Do you know what the world tells you will make you happy and fill your life? Man, it's like cotton candy. Any of you like cotton candy? Big, beautiful, pink cotton candy. You grab a handful, you put it in your mouth. It's sweet for a second, but it doesn't last, right? And it has no nutritional value, right? (laughs) Cotton candy. The world's promises are full of emptiness. But let me tell you, Easter offers emptiness full of promise. 
And that promise is the empty tomb. It's the story of Easter. You know the story of Easter, right? The story of Easter goes like this. In the beginning, God created. He made the universe. He made this beautiful planet. He made the animals and the trees and the mountains and the streams. It's glorious planet so you can experience beauty and joy and laughter and life and love through a connected relationship with him. God made you in his image. And he made you to love you and to give you life. And his only desire was for you to love him back. But along the way, we decided God wasn't enough. Like, no, God forgets you. God, I want what I want. I'm going to fill my life with other things. And we chased after other things. Money and sex and power and entertainment. And we basically, we sinned against God and we broke our relationship with him. But can I tell you, God is so good and so loving. He never gave up on you. He never stopped loving you. So much so that he sent his son to pay the ultimate price, die the ultimate death when he was nailed to a cross. He did that to pay for all your sins. Everything that you've ever done to hurt God, hurt others, or hurt yourself, Jesus took that on the cross. Then he died. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. And then 2,000 years ago to this very day, On Sunday morning, two women went to the tomb to anoint the dead body of Jesus, only he wasn't there. Man, friends, the tomb was empty. But there was an angel there, and he said these words on your outline in Matthew chapter 28, 5 and 6. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now, here's the heart of Easter. He is not here. He has risen. Do you understand? Greatest moment in history. Most life-changing moment. And this is your crossroads moment. Because when Jesus resurrected from the dead, it was God saying, I love you so much. That if you'll put your faith and trust in my only son, I'll forgive you and I'll give you the gift of eternal life. That's Easter, friends. Now, can I tell you part of the Easter story? You're part of it. Like you have a big part in this story because part of how God made you, as you sit here today, do you know you're free? You're free. God made, part of being made in God's image means you're free. You're free to choose what to believe in and what not to believe in. Meaning, on this very day, you can choose to believe in Jesus, or you can believe in Muhammad, or you can believe in Buddha, or you can believe in New Age. You can even believe in nothing if you want. But the choice is yours. But friends, can I tell you, I don't know about your choice. I don't know, but but can I tell you for me? If a guy shows up on this planet and he says, I'm the son of God and I hold the keys to set you free and I can forgive your sins and fill you with joy and give you the gift of eternal life. And then he backs it up by walking on water, giving sight to the blind, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000 with only two fish and five loaves. And then before the whole world, he says, 
I'm going to be killed on a cross, but three days later, I'm going to come back to life. And then that guy backs it up with the resurrection. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm going with that guy. I'm putting my faith in that guy. I'm choosing that guy to have my heart and my faith and put my trust in him. How about you? What's your choice? Because when you go with that guy, when you choose Christ, here's the promise of Easter in the empty tomb. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Underline this phrase, he will raise us also. The same power that raised up Jesus. That's the power that will raise you from your emptiness. That will raise you from your sin and sorrow. That will raise you and give you joy and life and peace and eternal life and heaven forever. Friends, that's the promise of Easter. But I want you to do more today than just hear me talk about it, right? I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience Easter so you can really trust Christ. So to help us do that, we prepared a special drama just for you. And this drama highlights that you can go after relationships and money and the party life. But friends, without God, it leads to emptiness and depression. But when you choose Christ... Man, it changes everything. Take a look. But when I watch that, man, that's the story of my life right there. Man, when I was 17 years old, I had everything the world, I was going after everything the world told me I needed to be happy. The whole sex, drugs, rock and roll, party hard, make a lot of friends, play sports, try to be popular. But even as a 17-year-old kid, I knew something was missing. On the inside. I was trying to fill it with all this stuff. And it was killing my soul. And then Jesus showed up. And he saved me. He did it for me. And I'm standing here today. Because of Easter. And because of what I know Jesus could do for you. Easter 2016. It could be your day. What you saw in this drama. That could happen for you. Do you know how you get filled with God, his love and grace and forgiveness and purpose and power? Man, the Bible tells us so simple. In John chapter 1, verse 20 on your outline, look at this verse. In John 1, 12, I mean, says this, Yes, to all who did receive him, Jesus, those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Would you underline three key words? Receive, believed, and become. Man, when you, to receive Jesus means the same way you'd open your door to your best friend. You open your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I receive you. Come into my life. I've been trying to fill myself with all this other stuff, but I, I receive you. You fill my life. And you ask Christ to come into your heart. You receive Plus, believe, not just in your head, not like, not like Nicodemus, but you receive, like you believe personally that Jesus died for you and rose again. You put your faith and trust in him. You know, just this week, I was talking to a family friend. 
She has stage four lung cancer. Trying to encourage her, trying to minister to her. She said, you know what, Paul? She said, I, I wish I could believe like you. She said, I do believe like in a higher power. And, and I, I say prayers to God, but they just feel so empty. And I told her, Linda, you need to stop praying to a power. You need to pray to a person. You need to pray to Jesus Christ who really lived, really died, really rose again. Because when you receive and believe, that's when you become. You become free and forgiven and full. You become a child of God. And friends, when you sit here and you recognize your own emptiness and your need for him, can I tell you, that's a happy moment. That's a great day in your life when you recognize your need for God and you decide today is my day to receive, believe, and become. I want to give you a chance to do that right now as we pray together. Do you pray with me? If you're sitting here today and you want today to be your heart, to be the day where you ask Christ into your heart, would you just silently pray after me? In your spirit, would you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive you. Just tell him, for too long, Lord, I've been trying to fill my life with other things. Today, Jesus, I open wide the door of my heart, and I ask you to come in and fill my life with your love and peace and grace. Would you tell him, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're God's son who died for me for the forgiveness of my sins. Lord, the best way I know how, I turn from my sins and I turn to you and I ask you to be the savior of my life. Be my Lord. Because you died for me, it's my honor to live for you. Thank you for loving me and setting me free. And thank you for Easter. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can I tell you, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, or if you have ever prayed that prayer in your life, can I tell you that 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 tells you exactly what happened to you. I think it's the best passage on Easter in all the Bible, and I want to end my message by reading this to you says, what a God we have. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. And the day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share this uh, Easter message with you. Can I tell you, what we're going to do now is we're going to take an offering. And as a band comes out, can I tell you, if you're a guest with us today, uh, please don't feel any pressure to give any money. We want this service to be like a gift to you. But I'd like to ask all of you, if you do a big favor for me. It's a crossroads tradition that every year at Easter, we do a spiritual survey 
to kind of get a pulse for where people are in their relationship with Christ. So if you could all pull out your communication card in your program, and if you could do this to help us with the survey, if you walked in here this morning, and before you walked in, you already knew that you were a Christian. If A is for like, write the letter A and just circle it on your program. Like I already put my faith in Jesus and I know he's in my life. That's A. If you just prayed to believe in Jesus, B is like, today I decided to believe in Jesus and ask him into my life. If you just prayed that prayer just a few minutes ago for the first time, would you write the letter B and circle that on your program? Now, some of you, it's, you know, this service is, man, it's just too much. It's too much to take in. You're not ready to really commit your heart yet, but, but you're open. C is like, hey, I'm considering it. Pray for me. If you mark the letter C and circle that. And I want to say, if you mark B or C, I want to let you know next Saturday night, right after the 515 service and next Sunday morning, right after this service, we have a follower of Christ class that you can come to and learn what it means to really nail down your faith in Jesus. And then the lastly, the letter D kind of stands for, hey, Paul, don't bug me. Like, hey, dude, I, I'm not into church or the whole Jesus thing. Just leave me alone. And if that's, if, if that's where you're at, I'd appreciate it if you'd put that. But I want to say something to you. Man, I, I have so much respect that you're even here today. And maybe you're not open right now, but if you ever become open, I hope you know that you're always welcome and wanted in this place. And we even started this church just for you. So uh, if you do that as the band leads us in our offering song, fill out the survey. That would be awesome. And thank you, everybody. Amen. Well, hey, everybody, you've been sitting for a long time. Why don't we stand and be dismissed with our blessing? Yes, that's what I say. Yay. So, hey, everybody, let me tell you this. If you're, I just want to say if you're a first-time guest with us, Man, we have a nice gift for you on your way out. Stop by the welcome table. We just love to say a personal hello for you. Also, if you mark B on your communication card, I'd love to put a Bible in your hands. We have some Bibles in the lobby just for you uh, that you can also grab. And with that said, we'd like to uh, send you off with an Easter blessing. So if you feel comfortable raising a hand towards heaven, now may the beautiful God of all creation the God who sees you and who calls you by name. May he heal your hearts. May he meet your needs. And may he use you to make a loving difference in the world. Go with the love of Jesus Christ. And happy Easter, everyone. Amen. Amen.